1: Their watch of wondering love, O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God our King, and
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. My first Christmas that I remember, I was just a little boy. It was Christmas Eve. It was bitterly cold outside Laramie, Wyoming. And my father decided that he was going to take his three boys to a a Christmas Eve service, a candlelight service. It wasn't in our church. We were a part of a very small church. Mother was working. She was a bacteriologist. She was working at the local hospital that night. So dad bundled us up. And I walked beside my dad, down the street, around the block, to this great, large church. We went in, and the music was so sweet. I remember as a child listening to the sound of the organ, and the choir, and the Christmas carols. It all seemed so wonderful to me. And then they lit the candles. Dad held one. Of course, I was not allowed. I was too little. And we sang Silent Night. All the hopes and dreams were found in him that night. Christmas was ignited in my heart that year. And then to top it all off, the pastor stood at the end of the the Christmas Eve service and invited all of the children who were present to come forward for a blessing. And I eagerly went forward, holding my big brother's hand. And when we got to the front, the pastor prayed a blessing over us. And then he said, and now I have a surprise for you. And he handed out boxes of candy with a little string handle on each one. Never forget that bitterly cold night walking home. My heart aglow, even as a little boy with the music of heaven. And swinging in my hand, my gloved hand, a box of candy. We were extremely poor. There weren't any Christmas gifts that year that I can remember. But I had that little box of candy. It was so sweet. And those candies were so delicious. And through the years, Christmas has meant many different things to me. It's been a time of family, a time of sharing, a time of dreams. It's been a time of great pain. I remember as a little boy I would I had two drawers that were mine in the dresser. A small dresser, but I had two little drawers that were mine, and I would clear everything out of one drawer to make room for all of the wonderful gifts that I was going to receive at Christmas time. I was always desperately disappointed because when the evening was over, we opened gifts on Christmas Eve. And when when Christmas Eve was over, there were one or two gifts, some handmade things, some cookies, And I looked at that little pile and I said, is that all Christmas is? A little pile of gifts? Well, it didn't take very many years for me to begin to grow up and understand that Christmas was not about what you received. It was about what you gave. But still there was always in my heart the excitement of the preparation, the baking of cookies and making of candies, homemade candies. There was the shopping and the saving of money. All year long, I'd save money for Christmas so I could give gifts to my family. And then Christmas Eve would be over. And Christmas Day was a a yawn. Christmas dinner was always good. There were several highlights. We always went to a family's home for friends for Christmas, Christmas Eve. And they always had the most delicious cookies. She made a feast of Christmas cookies. I remember the one night our pastor, an elderly man, Pastor Carnes, he and his wife came to the house that night. We didn't have a Christmas tree. We didn't have Christmas gifts that year. Dad had said, I'm sorry, boys. We just don't have the money for Christmas this year. And After dark, this car pulled into our drive, came walking through the snow, bringing a Christmas tree. We were very excited. We set it up. And then he brought in a whole village with little lights and little little houses, and he set that up under the Christmas tree. He said, we're too old for Christmas, so we decided we were going to bring our christmas to you this year and they brought in dish after dish of the incredible aroma of of christmas dinner that night and then christmas gifts it was a most exciting christmas then after everything was finished Dad said, oh, by the way, boys, I was able to get one Christmas gift for all of you. We said, Daddy, what is it? What is it? What is it? Show us. He said, you'll have to wait here. He went into his bedroom and from the depths of their closet, brought out a large box. And in it was a Lionel train set and it was one of those evenings where mom and dad let us stay up i think until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning we set the train up and and we played with it that was a memorable christmas christmas really hooks into all of our hopes and dreams it's very emotional And there's a great deal of preparation that goes into it, the wrapping of gifts, the the cooking of food. And then suddenly it comes. And as quickly as it came, it's gone. And always I was left with a taste in my mouth that said, is that all? Is that all? It awakened in my heart a great hunger for more. And it took some growing up on my part to begin to understand what that great longing in my heart was. And this year, Christmas, comes for me in a very dark time of my life. And as I've walked through this, and prepared to give gifts. I give Christmas gifts to to Muslims and to non-Christians. To the poor. One gift to each family, my daughters and sons-in-law and grandchildren. One gift for all of them. And then all the other gifts go to the poor. I recognize in my heart, there's a great sadness. And this morning, as I was praying about that sadness, I was able to be very clear about what the sadness was about. And for me, the sadness is about Jesus not being here yet. All of my hopes and dreams are met in Jesus Christ. Christmas has always been for me bittersweet. I can't remember a Christmas that I was not deeply disappointed by. And my disappointment has to do with with the absence of Jesus. Oh, he's here. He dwells. He dwells in me, and I dwell in him. But I want to see him face to face. I want to see him in the spirit realm for real. My heart is homesick for heaven. My heart is homesick for Jesus. I love him with with all of my being. Now, I want to tell you that the Christmas story seems very magical, romantic, sentimental. But there is a very painful underbelly to the Christmas story. And you need to know about that underbelly of pain in relationships because your Christmas is going to also have that disappointment. Many are depressed by Christmas. Others seem tough and hard-edged. I don't care about Christmas. I don't care. I don't need Christmas. Well, they're all just dealing with whatever way they can with the hurt of their heart. We were not meant to be separate from Jesus. Jesus. We were meant to have intimate fellowship with him. And Christmas reminds us that we don't have that intimate fellowship with him. But it makes us eagerly look forward to his coming. And to weep at the delay. But I want to share with you the Christmas story, but I want to... I want to focus on the parts that that say to us this is not just some romantic tale. This is a this is a gutsy rubber hits the road story. In the sixth month, of that year god sent his angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee now mary didn't know that he was on his way he left the courts of heaven and nobody knew what he was going to do but he came to a very specific town and by the way nazareth is not a beautiful town it is not a romantic town In fact, it's quite dirty. It's rough. It's not real safe. I understand why they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a town in Galilee. And in that town, there was a virgin, meaning she'd never had sexual relationships with a man. But she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, the the pledge was in that day taken very seriously. And for the first year, they lived separate until the actual day of the wedding feast, which would last for at least a week. And she was looking forward to that wedding feast. She had her hopes and her dreams set on On Joseph, a man well-respected, a little older than she was. Her name was Mary. The angel came to Mary, and he said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was also terrified by the presence of Gabriel, the the brilliance and the, the power, the presence of this angel. I mean, Gabriel is one of the lead angels of heaven. And he said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. And then he says, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Wow. She has plans to marry Joseph. And she's real smart. She knows immediately what it means for her to be pregnant. And never have known a man. God is going to come on her and impregnate her with a baby. Mixing human and divine. Now, I don't know how much she understood about all of that, but wow! I'm sure in her mind she's saying, Joseph will never understand this. Never. Never will Joseph understand this. How can I explain this to my family? They'll say, oh yeah, right. Who are you playing with, Mary? All Mary said was, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. And the angel left her. Now we get a clue into how she was feeling about all of this. By what she does next. She quickly packs a bag. And she quickly leaves town to go to Zachariah's house, to to go to Elizabeth. She wants to be out of town. She needs some time to think and pray. She needs to talk with Elizabeth about all of this. Her heart is terrified. I mean, can you imagine how she will explain this to Joseph? Joseph. Now, I want to say something to you. I hope you can understand it and not be offended by it. It's one thing to say nothing is impossible with God, and nothing is impossible with God. But God's impossible will always come and totally do a mix-up job on our lives. When the angel comes to Mary her life as a normal woman is over. She's going to have a baby that was sent by God. Not by a human husband, but by God who is, who is fertilizing an egg in her womb. Do you understand. And now, Everybody around her is going to have to adjust to what has happened, and some are going to cut her off. Some are going to depart from her. Now, please, in a very minor way, let me tell you what's happened to me. As God has stepped into my life, some people have have come up close and said, Pastor Ray, we'll walk with you in this. We don't understand it, but we'll walk with you in this. But but others just said, Pastor, this is way beyond anything we can understand. We don't agree with you. We don't like this, and we are cutting our relationship with you. We are done with you. We're out of your life. Always when God moves, some will come close, and others that you thought were the most precious friends, others that you considered family, will cut you off. Now, you understand Mary is going to have to carry this baby to term. And all through the years of Jesus growing up, everyone is going to say, Mary had a child out of wedlock. She has an illegitimate child and Jesus was also faced with that accusation that he was illegitimate. As one on our live chat just said, she wasn't vindicated for 30 years. But in the meantime, family members scorned her and scorned Jesus because they considered this an illegitimate pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth greeted her with joy. Elizabeth received her into her heart. Elizabeth rejoiced with her. Now, I want to share something else with you. Uh, go with me over here to the Book of Matthew. I w- I want to show you something that I've that I saw, and I just laughed and cried. It's found in Matthew, the first chapter. This is how, verse eighteen. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with child. When God comes and he begins to do his miraculous when God comes and he stirs everything up in your life. That just happened to me. Suddenly, my landlord of seven years makes the decision that he's going to sell the house. And so for the last days, I've not been allowed to be in the house because it was nonstop showing of the house. I was found to be without a place. And as I cried out to the Lord about it, he spoke to me in a very kind and reassuring way. He said to me, I know. I cried out. I said, Lord, why is this happening to me? Where am I going to go? How do I pay for it? How do I pay for a move? Lord, what do I do? And he said to me, I know it's inconvenient for you to move, but if you'll move with good grace, I have a rich blessing for you in the new place. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. I was found to be without a house. I didn't cause it. I didn't set it up. I didn't make it happen. It was totally outside of me. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. I've come on this broadcast. I've spoken very directly about things that I believe strongly in. And somebody close to me gets very upset and angry, and you've insulted me and then cut me off i didn't set it up i didn't argue with them i didn't say anything to them personally but for them it was very personal boom you're out of my life we're brothers we're we're family we're going to always be together you're out of my life found to be without a friend Understand what I'm saying to you? Mary was found to be with child. She hadn't been to bed with a man. She had not sinned against God or Joseph. But she was found to be with child, not of her doing. It was done to her by God. Do you understand? God will do things to you and in your family and with you that will cause you great anguish of heart and fear and trembling. And the question comes, in the midst of that anguish, will you trust Jesus and do as Mary said, Let it be unto me as you have said, Lord. Let it be unto me as you have said. And so, with this house, I said, Lord, I trust you to bring me a place to live. You know what I'll need. I trust you. Will you show me? And he did. And I have a signed lease for the new place, about five miles from where I currently live. And the Lord said, I'll meet you there. I have a special blessing for you. I rejoice. Lord, let it be unto me as you have said. So to the landlord, I said, How can I help you sell this house? So I did everything they asked me to do. I I packed what they wanted out of the way. I cleaned, I did everything I could do to make this house most beautiful and presentable for them. And then I left for days while they showed the house. And last night, they got a contract on it. I told the landlord, don't worry about January's rent. He's not a Christian. I said, trust me, trust Jesus. He's going to provide He's going to work everything out. And, oh, Jesus worked it out beautifully. See, Jesus does not mind. The Lord does not mind. Making come to pass in your life what he desires. And know that when he makes that new thing happen in your life, It's going to cause you great consternation. It's going to cause you some pain. It's going to break some relationships. And you're going to lose some friends. But I've also noticed that as God steps in and does something new in somebody's life, he brings new people into their life to support them, to love them, to fellowship with them. You see, when, when God does something new in your life and it seems like it's a tragedy, just showing you that you have God's favor. You have God's favor. And God is working out his plan in your life. So if God is telling you to move, move. If he's telling you to change jobs, change jobs. Adjust your sails quickly. Follow the lead of Jesus, no matter what it looks like. So she's found to be with child. And Joseph, her husband, is a righteous man. And he knew that she had committed adultery. That's what it was called when you were pledged to be married. If you committed sexual sin, it was the same as adultery but he really loved her and he had a kind heart and he didn't want to expose her to public shame. So he made the decision. I'm sure after some very sleepless nights that he would divorce her quietly and send her on her way. Verse 20, this is Matthew one verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. and You're to give him the name Jesus which means saves, delivers to safety. He saves from sin. He will save his people from their sins. This is Messiah. Joseph, Messiah is coming, and Mary has Messiah in her womb. Unto us a child shall be born. born of a virgin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. and They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph woke up. It doesn't tell us what he thought. It doesn't tell us what he felt. It only tells us he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, they go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem in Judea because that's where the Messiah was to be born, in Bethlehem. Micah, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So imagine that trip. It would take probably with a donkey with Mary riding on that donkey. It wasn't cold weather yet. It was probably sometime in September. It wasn't a December. It was probably fall. September. But it's a long trip. It's probably, it takes them at least... A week to make that journey. I'm sure Mary was tired of riding on the back of that donkey, probably side saddle. And then they got to Bethlehem, and it was because of tax that they had to go, and there's no room for them in the inn been to that humble little grotto that that humble little cave where they believe jesus was laid in the manger with the with the livestock in bethlehem of judea now we love the story but but you hear what I'm saying to you in the midst of this wonderful story is Joseph's heart being torn apart because he's lost his sweetheart. And then the angel comes and says, no, you haven't lost. You haven't lost her, marry her. But he does not marry her by the way, until, until probably sometime in Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus. And it was no big, it was no big wedding was very humble Joseph was a carpenter or probably even more accurately he was a stonemason he built with stone there was much stone in that part of the country and and everything was built out of stone the houses were out of stone and now as if this were not enough The Magi come. Now Mary has been moved by Joseph to a house, but now they the magi come and give them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then King Herod decides he's going to kill this baby. So all the babies two years of age or under are to be executed. But an angel of the Lord knows about this plan and warns them. In a dream, Joseph is told, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt now. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Immediately he got up. He took the child and his mother, Mary, during the night. And that night they left for Egypt. To fulfill the prophetic word, out of Egypt I called my son. The drama, the tear of their hearts as they leave Bethlehem and they leave behind the house. They can't take with them any of the furniture they've gotten, they leave everything a few clothes probably the the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and that finances their trip and pays for their stay while they're in Egypt, please, this is what God's favor looks like. It doesn't look like the lair to see a church hunkered down in comfort. It doesn't look like a normal life. If you want to be a true follower of Jesus, you're going to have to give up the notion that you're going to have a normal life. A normal American life is not the life in the Holy Spirit. Instead, you're going to be found in situations. You're going to be found in things that you didn't control and you didn't set up, but bring utter consternation and terror to your heart. How am I going to survive this? How can I walk this out? I mean, right now, the Lord has promised that he's going to bring revival. And all he's saying to me is, wait upon the Lord. Rest in me, Ray. I'm to wait on the Lord. Now, the Lord would not say to me, wait on me, if he didn't intend to come to me. I've put that together. So here I am and the Lord is carrying me. He's paying. He's covering the cost of the radio by your being moved by the spirit to give so generously. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord is carrying me. He promised he would. And I'm crying out to God day and night for revival and saying, Lord, I'm I'm found in this, in this situation. I'm found. Would you please open doors of opportunity for me to minister the word and the gospel more than just in radio? But Lord, it's time for revival in America. So I'm crying out to God, and I'm waiting on him. Do I know how it's going to work? No, I don't. Do I know what's going to happen tomorrow? Yes, revival's coming. Do I know how? No. No. I'm I'm walking by faith in Jesus. I don't know how I'm going to survive all of this. I'm just very grateful for for having been found in this situation on the radio and God moving in the hearts of men and women to gather around me as a fellowship, as a community, and cover the cost of the ministry. I didn't do that. I couldn't convince you to do that. You did that out of the Holy Spirit moving upon your heart, while others have utterly cut me off and separated and said, you're crazy. Revival's not coming. You're a hopeless dreamer. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a hopeless believer in Jesus. I'm a hopeless believer in Jesus and trusting in his word, even when I have no physical evidence to tell me that revival is coming in America. I have no evidence to tell me that what the Lord has said to me is true. He spoke to me when I was nine and ten years of age and told me what he was going to do at this time in my life. So I wait on him. I hope you hear what I'm saying to you. People are going to cut you off the more excited you become about Jesus and the more you walk by faith and the more you walk in obedience to the Holy Word of God, the more people will get raging, angry with you and say, you're crazy. I want nothing to do with you. And they'll get lost in their own journey and they'll travel away and you won't see them again. They've deserted the ship. And it's okay. I'm not angry with any of them who left. And I'm happy for all of you who have come. And my eyes are on Jesus. The whole focus of my life centers around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's where my heart is. That's the one whom I love. He's the one I trust. To understand. When I look at the story of Jesus. And I look at Joseph. I love them both. Mary and Joseph gave their life for Jesus. They never had a normal life again. They never had a normal life again. Now, as they take Jesus into the temple... a man comes and takes Jesus in his arms and blesses him. And he has asked the Lord that he could live and he's been promised, yes, you will live until you hold the Messiah in your arms. And he holds baby Jesus in his arms and he's told this is the Messiah. And he says to Mary, this child will be great and your heart will be pierced. Your heart will be pierced. And believe me, she stood looking up at her son, the son of the living God, crucified on that cross. Her heart was surely pierced through, and surely she wept bitterly at that cross. But I want to tell you something on the day of pentecost she was in that upper room praying with the disciples she did not lose faith in her son john had taken her into his heart and into his home to care for her she lost no confidence she knew her son was the creator God of heaven and earth and she was there on that Pentecost day and she received the full baptism of the Holy Spirit along with everyone else the tongues of fire came upon her head too What an awesome story of God's grace. The Christmas story. The Christ story. It's not about Santa Claus. It's not about spending large amounts of money. It's not about the world and the flesh and the devil. It's not about the sentimentality. It's all about Jesus It's all about Jesus. Now we have just a few minutes left. I want to read something for you. Colossians, the first chapter. I'll begin in 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue and your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That's who Jesus is. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you've been invited to live in Jesus. And Jesus wants to live in you. Read the book of Colossians. We'll talk more about this book as the week moves forward. Is there anything that would make it too hard for me to believe in Jesus? No. Not the death of my wife. Not any sickness, not any financial breaking, not any poverty. Jesus is everything. And you will be found in circumstances that you don't understand. Give it to Jesus. And he will carry you through. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. If you want to give Jesus a Christmas gift, and that's really what it's about, you can go to nationalprayerchapel.com, click on the button in the upper right-hand corner, and give a Christmas gift to Jesus for the work of his gospel. Or you can write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. I invite you to give Jesus a Christmas gift. I bless you today in the name of Jesus with his peace and his joy, his healing. Binding every power of darkness in the name of Jesus that comes against you. Thank you for listening today. Pass it on to a friend. Post it on your social media networks. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: So... Oh.